It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder trying to get him out of the space. Slopes a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. Takes a shot. Here's Corey Davis, wide open. Davis. Still going, and he's in for the touchdown. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's the q Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And we are doing our 2021 Jets offseason reviews. And I wanted to bring in a familiar face and voice to the show to talk about everything that the Jets have done in the 2021 offseason as we get ready for training camp coming up. And that, of course, is the co-founder of U Stadium, Mr. Nick Spano. Nick, it's been a while. This is crazy. We haven't done a podcast together since just after the draft. I was actually just thinking of that. I was like, when was the last time? It had to have been, you know, the first weekend of May, right? Like, so the draft was the last weekend of April, and then <clears throat> then you had the uh, the draft start or the draft wrap up show that we did, and then it's been the whole month of May, whole month of June now, and um, yeah, I missed hopping on, man. It's been at least like six weeks. Yeah, it's crazy, and I haven't heard Luca crying in the background in at least six weeks either. So what's going on, Luca? Hope you're doing well. The Jets, things are looking up for them. I know things are looking up for Luca because he got some new toys, and so did the Jets. So let's talk about that. The first new toy is the head coach, Robert Sala. Now, I know when the hire was made, you really liked it. We talked about it on the show. But now that we are just about at training camp and what you've seen with OTAs and minicamp and everything on Flight 2021 and things that you've heard from people behind the scenes that you've talked to, where do you sit on the Sala hire? Are you still just as jazzed up about it as you were when they actually hired him? Yeah, probably a little more. You know, it's because... You know, you hear all the good things, the positivity, the the leadership, the you know, coaches, you know, the players coach and um you know, you don't really get to kind of see it for yourself. Obviously we'll see how it plays out on the field, you know, in a couple of weeks, but um just seeing the the reports and some of the videos and audio clips and like you said, the flight twenty one twenty twenty one show, um, you get to see exactly what other people have said about Salah and talking to a lot of the 49er guys that I know, some of the, some of them will cover the team. <clears throat> um, what you see is what you get from Salah. And I guess what we hear is what you get from Salah. He is who he is, very personable, smart, energetic. And it seems like, you know, the best part about it is, you know, we've just gone through a decade since Rex Ryan, which is crazy to think of, not having any kind of image or have any kind of like anything to hold your, you know, put your, you know, hold your hat on. Um, you know, no, no vision for the team. It was just kind of no emotion from Bowles, no emotion from Gase, uh, no spark. They didn't have anything that you, you felt good about really. Obviously that one year with Fitzpatrick was a fluke season. Um, but other than that, you know, you didn't feel like the team was being built the right way. You didn't feel like they were coached well, you didn't feel like the players were excited to come to work every day. And I think 
you know, just what it's been six months since he's been hired, Salah, right? It's in, in late January, here we are in late June. And it, it seems like there's some excitement around the players again. And um, just seeing social media posts and, and posts and seeing guys on practice and mini camp and stuff, it seems like the players like being there. They like this guy. And it seems like we know what we're going to get. It's this aggressive, you know, the front is going to get after you. That's what Salah and, you know, and, and, the defensive coordinator and the coaching staff's MO is we're going to get after you. We're going to pressure you. We're going to leave the back end a little bit, you know, on their own. And, you know, hopefully we can get pressure all the time, but um, it's going to be a quick ferocious defense, similar to Rex Ryan. I know Rex obviously had Revis, so he would really just be able to kind of play the, the, the Island, obviously the Revis Island um, and send some extra guys at you. But now with the personnel that they have, they have guys who can get after it. Um, which Rex really didn't have, you know, the front was more about stopping the run, you know, playing stout defense up front and, you know, different blitz packages that, that Rex would put together and, you know, Mike Pettin and whoever he had kind of assisting him on the defense, but it seems like there's an identity to the jets and that's the main, um, or at least they're building up to an identity for the jets, which is something we've been missing for the past decade. So seeing Salah, there's, there's good vibes about him. There's positivity, um, where the past two coaches were just as bland as you can be. So it's exciting to kind of uh, hit the reset button and bring in somebody who kind of like, you know, Rex Ryan spoke for the fan base. You know, he was a perfect kind of figurehead for us nut, you know, nut, nutty Jet fans. You know, we're, we're a crazy bunch. You know, similar, I always consider us similar like, to, to the Eagles fans. Um I know some people won't like that, but <laughs> it's kind of true. You know, I think Philly fans are a little bit crazy in a bad way um, than Jet fans are, but Jet fans have a certain kind of mystique about them. And I think Salah matches that energy, um, which Rex did in the beginning. You know, Rex was like the perfect Jets head coach for the first two, three years. And unfortunately, you know, he was never kind of able to become a better head coach than he was. Um, and the, the pieces weren't built right around him, but, um, I think Sala brings something to the table that these past two coaches have. And so it's it's really exciting to see. And, you know, the flight 2021 thing was awesome. And you get the, you know, you, don't, you know it's not bullshit. You can see this guy is real. And um, that's what, you know, when I first spoke to people around the league about Sala is like, you know, he is legit. Like, this is who he is. There's no front here. Like, Gase could put up a good front and, you know, he – he obviously suckered uh, Chris Johnson into hiring him, and then he was not the guy who they all thought he was. And I don't think there's any of that with Sal. I think what you see is what you get. Are you just as bullish on his coaching staff? I am, yeah. I mean, the LaFleur thing was basically what really kind of sold me, you know, because especially in today's age and, you know, where the league is going on offense and the quarterback position, knowing we were – going to draft a young quarterback and then the next question would be all right well Salah really is your defensive minded guy even though he's going to be more of like the CEO and kind of let his staff coach um then he would kind of just oversee he was going to have that little favoritism towards the defense it's just natural it's where his it's where he grew up what he grew up coaching so the LaFleur hire was massive I just think he I'm I am so excited that I'm worried because I think he's going to be good enough to the point where in two years he'll, you know, if all goes well, he'll probably be getting a head coaching job somewhere. Um, 
but you know, you have to in today's league build the staff and it's just as important of creating depth on the roster is creating depth in the coaching staff and hiring guys behind the Michael floor who can step up and you can just, you know, move them up the ranks. If, if LaFleur does get the head coaching job, but we'll worry about that when, when it happens, because that's a good problem to have. That means Zach Wilson is developed and, you know, the jets are in the heading into the right path um, where we want them to go. Sick of being upsold at gyms. My guy, you're currently a base member for $90 more. I can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more. You'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness. You'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Nick, what are your thoughts on the free agency strategy that they employed and also the ultimate results? We talked a little bit about this on the podcast with the individual signings, but now that we can see the big picture, including Morgan Moses, what do you think here? Yeah, I think Morgan Moses is really the the what's the correct lame term you could say like the 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 ribbon on it you know the ribbon (laughs) on the free agency period right Mm because what was the one thing we were all kind of frustrated about was well we didn't really sign a veteran free agent to upgrade the offensive line we were upset we missed out on joe tooney right upset we missed out on Corey lindsley so you know we knew one of those early picks was going to be an offensive lineman you know you thought it may have been a right tackle obviously moved up for vera tucker which is awesome um, and then you were still just a little worried, you know, they, the Jets like George Fant and they still do, you know, which is why I was somewhat surprised when they went so aggressively after Morgan Moses, because it hasn't been the Jets MO in free agency, right? Like, and you even got a cool inside view from the, uh, pro sc- uh, scouting, um, director for the Jets, you know, into how they handled free agency and, you know, they wanted to be out and go and, you know, target their guys, but they had basically a, a limit on everybody. And, and, you know, they had an idea of who they were going to sign. So um, I just think they saw Moses as a immediate impact starter um, an upgrade over Fant. And I knew they were worried about their offensive line depth because they were kind of sniffing around the second or third tier free agents like Dennis Kelly you know, offensive linemen who can come in, play multiple positions, and you can get them on a cheap, you know, one-year, $2 million deal um, and just upgrade that the tackle depth, which the Jets, obviously, and, and most teams around the NFL, um, you know, teams have a hard time finding solid enough starters, let alone depth that you feel good about. Um, so when a guy like Moses hit the market, you know, they were right away were, were interested in him. So I think that's just one of those things that a player shakes free from a team for whatever reason. Um, and you go and you, you know, you upgrade. So it really brings the whole free agency together. Cause you know, what did they, what did the jets need to do when we had to head into free agency, right? They needed an upgrade at the edge. Obviously we still probably do, but they went and they got there, you know, the, 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 the number one guy that they feel who's going to be your elite, you know, pass rusher, and they think he's going to be actually a guy instead of getting all the pressures and hurries and quarterback hits. They think with the supporting cast of Quinn and Williams, Foley, obviously the depth we know at, on, on the D-line interior, that Lawson's going to be able to close this year and, and put up those double-digit sacks that, you know, his, his traits are, um, you know, you feel like his traits equal up to you know, the 10, 11, 12 sacks. 
Um, then we knew we needed a receiver, right? A top edge receiver. Uh, and they targeted Corey Davis from the start. And you can see why during LaFleur's uh, little <clears throat> video breakdown of, you know, of Corey Davis on, on film. Um, and they got those guys on day one. And then they filled out. Obviously, they wanted more presence up front because Salah wants to rotate, <clears throat> you know, get fresh legs in there. Sheldon Rankin's great sign. Vinnie Curry, they you know they think he's going to bring in some depth. Uh, Ronald Blair, another guy familiar with Salah. So, you know, they brought in multiple guys up front. And then that one, well, I guess you could say two because they really haven't added any corners. And that was kind of the one thing that's been left out. But I think they really do want to see these young guys. And then they'll probably add, you know, maybe like a waiver guy on uh, cut down day. But I think they want young bodies back there, again, that they can just keep rotating guys in. Um, and you know, the pressure is going to be on the, the guys up front really to get after the quarterback. So I think obviously if that doesn't go as well as planned, that's where these multiple top picks next year are going to be focused. Right. Um, but the Moses signing last week really just pulls it all together. And here is your big offensive lineman signing, because if Moses was a free agent at the start of free, you know, at the, in March, he would have been the top offense, you know, one of the top offensive tackles available. So, be, so to be able to get him on such a friendly deal they did in, in June, that was the Jets. You know, I know a lot of people are like, oh, the Jets have so much cap space that they can, you know, be aggressive in, in free agency right away, you know, because the teams were up against the cap with COVID. Well, this was that happening in June. So the Jets had this a bit, a, 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 a large chunk of cap space. Um, and they were able to actually add a player like Morgan Moses in June where other teams, you know, really had a scratch and claw to either A, get under the cap, or B, just kind of survive, you know, or tread water. Um, so this was the Jets kind of being able to use that cap space they had and obviously have a need and grab a player. A high, you know, I don't know if I want to say a high-level starter, but definitely a good starter in the NFL at right tackle on a really good deal in, in late June. Before we get to the draft, let's talk about Sam Darnold. I know that, like most Jets fans, you lost faith in Sam Darnold, and I know that you were in mm -hmm. favor of the trade. And at the time we talked about it, we just thought that it was best for both sides to start fresh. Looking at it now as we head into training camp, where are you on the Darnold deal? Do you think they got good value for him? And do you think that ultimately Joe Douglas is going to be proven right for having made a clean break here. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And yes. <laughs> In short, I think, you know, being able to get a two and a, what a four next year, um, was able to get at it with a six last year when last year's drafts, which just passed, um, you know, he sets himself up so nicely that I think they, I think they think Sam Darnold just, you know, no matter how much they talk, you know, well about him and, how much everybody likes the person Sam Darnold. I think deep down they all know that this guy isn't just isn't a good enough starter in the NFL. So to not not only you know be able to acquire the picks for him, obviously he's going to start a quarterback for a team that you're hoping is going to lose games because you have their number two pick next year. So you know they're they're expecting him, or probably selfishly hoping that he's the kind of pretty bad quarterback he was for the Jets here in Carolina too. Because the more games they lose next year, obviously the Jets have, you know, a higher pick. So it would, it would, you know, it would be good for, for Joe Douglas. You don't want to root against a guy, especially a guy who everybody. I, I don't think any Jet fan. It's not like when Sanchez was here and we were just like so fed up, and you just wanted to 
move on from him because you've seen him for multiple years. I don't think anybody kind of roots openly against Arnold or wants to see him fail. You know, it'd be nice if he was just very average and then had a good year in 2022 um, when they don't have the pick and he survives and he, you know, is able to kind of create a nice career for himself. But yeah, I just think we all knew it was time and he didn't really, he didn't have any of that edge, which, which worried me from day one. I was a huge Darnold fan. Like, I think like many of us, when, when the Jets were able to trade up and he fell to us at three, you kind of just felt like a shift and you were like, did we just kind of get lucky for the first time ever? Um, and unfortunately it, it turned out to a, yes, he takes some of the blame and a lot of the blame is on the Jets and Adam Gase, Todd Bowles and the 20 different coordinators he had over his three years here. Um, but at the end of the day, man, these players deserve the blame too. And he just didn't cut, he, he just didn't cut it. And it was time when they made the move to make the move. And I think, you know, for seeing, you know, you're, you're not trading for, you know, the, the, the quarterback, the back of the football card on Sam Donald, right. You're trading for what you hope it could be. Cause if you were trading for what he's done in the league, you wouldn't be able to get a future eighth round pick for the guy. He was terrible. When you look at his <laughs> stats and you look, you, you put on the majority of his tape. So Douglas was able to sell, what could be in, in Sam Darnold and I guess took advantage of a team that knew that they weren't able to upgrade a quarterback in the draft. They, they, I mean, maybe they could have, if they stayed there and, and fields was there, but maybe the bears would have moved up even higher, but um, <clears throat> felt like they weren't able to get a guy in the draft. Obviously didn't, weren't able to trade for Watson. We know what happened there and just weren't able to get any of those top tier guys that everybody thought was available, which turned out none of them got moved. Um, you know, we spent that whole off season <laughs> talking about all those guys and nothing happened. Um, so Douglas was able to, to kind of get, you know, he wanted it too. And, and that's what was kind of talked about throughout the entire off season. So he got a two plus and, and yeah, we'll have to wait a year, but now you go into next year with two ones and two twos, uh, three, four, two fives, like a bunch of draft picks again next year, which I'm sure he can move again and, you know, add some more picks to 2022 or 2023 when, you know, they'll just have like their normal stock of one through sevens. Um, so he's really set set them up nicely in the draft from the Darnold trade and obviously the Adams trade. But yeah, it was just, it was time to move on. And luckily, yeah, probably set us back a few years um, with the Darnold failure. But um, I think, I think it seems like they're on the right path now. And I think everybody should have faith in Joe Douglas because, you know, I talked about this with my brothers, obviously. And, you, I think Joe Douglas is the best figure the Jets have had since the Bill Parcells. Um, so I think they just need to ride this thing out and don't get, you know, if, if they go five and, well, what's it, five and 12 this year, don't get on the guy. Let them continue building what they're building um, because he really did have to. I mean, we've seen it built from the ground up before and try to build it and it didn't work, but he had, he had to build it from below the ground. Um, so he's he's putting the pieces together. I think they'll be much better. Uh, I'm not sure if this year will kind of result in any playoff push, but we'll see. I mean, we'll see. I, I think they'll be definitely a competitive and more fun team to watch. Now it's out with the old in with the new. Darnold is gone. Zach Wilson is here. Let's talk about the draft. As you saw the draft unfold with Justin Fields falling all the way to 11, with Trey Lance going at number three, with Mac Jones going at number 15, 
What are your thoughts? Do you think that they made the right move grabbing Wilson at two? Should they have traded down and grabbed Fields? Maybe they should have taken Trey Lance. What do you think there? As far as the rest of the draft, what did you think of the overall strategy loading up on offense? What did you think of the Elijah Vera Tucker trade up? I know that it's been controversial with a lot of the statisticians and analytics guys. And then, of course, after the early part of the draft, they went all defense, seemed to give Robert Salas some toys to play with there on his side of the ball with Jeff Ulbrich. Talk to me about all of those things. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I absolutely love Zach Wilson. Um, thought that was the obvious, clear and obvious pick for the Jets there. So um, anything other than that, I would have been disappointed with. I'm not a huge Trey Lance guy. I'm not a huge – I like Lance. I like his potential. Just don't think it would have been a great situation here. Um, don't like Fields at all, so that was never a, a consideration really, in my opinion. Not a big Mac Jones guy. Um, it was really Lawrence or Wilson, and it seemed like that was the case for the Jets too. So – uh, very excited about that. The fit in the offense, the Shanahan, LaFleur offense. Love that. So excited about that and what they're doing. Obviously, building this wall in front of Wilson. I mean, they have absolute animals at right, left and right tackle, like 6'7, 6'8, 350, 365 pound dudes. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know when the last time or if ever the Jets had guys like that, but. Um, then the Vera Tucker move was awesome. I mean, these statistician guys, it's, it's like, (laughs) I mean, for the sake of, for the sake of getting like worked up about it, it's just ridiculous. In my opinion, you traded two third round picks to move up into the top 15 of the draft and take a guy who they had as a top 10 red, you know, red flag, uh, not a red flag, but you know, a red stamp guy who they loved. And then still have a second round pick to get a guy like Elijah Moore, who they also had as a top 25 pick and then get a Michael Carter. So if you want to look at the, you can't just look at the move as like an individual move because they had so much, so much draft capital that they were able to be flexible. What did we get on? Remember, remember the, uh, the old uh, GM Idzik when we had the 12 picks Mm -hmm. and and everybody and their mother thought that they were going to trade up and move around. And he ends up picking 12 guys and, Literally, I don't think any of them are still in the NFL. You have these, you know, Joe Douglas trades a guy like Jamal Adams, acquires all these picks, Leonard Williams, to be able to move around and target guys who, you know, it's not just a, you don't hoard all these picks. Like, you you have these picks to be flexible. You didn't even trade a, a second round pick. You didn't trade a future round pick. You traded two threes, and you're still making three picks in the top three rounds. So, or, or four picks now with, with Michael Carter, who they feel really good about um and you go get a potential elite starting guard who could be an all pro right out of the gate to complete what you came here to do right like mike like joe douglas is an offensive line guy through and through he wants to build this ultimate offensive line that you could do anything around you run the ball you you know because zach wilson could run the full offense behind becton vera tucker there's your left side for the next hopefully decade plus and not just like solid players, they feel like these two guys could be all pros. You know, ask Dallas if they, you know, if they regret adding offensive line. No, they didn't ultimately win anything, but that's a different story for what they've done. But that offensive line for years was the reason why that offense was top five, top 10 every season. So, <clears throat> you know, you're playing in the Northeast, the Jets, they still, at the end of the day, they need to run the ball. I know this is a pass happy league, but. You have to build up this offensive line. It was one of the worst for the longest time. And I think they finally, you know, I still don't think Douglas is done at all. I think 
I wouldn't be surprised if they use a first or second round pick on another offensive lineman next year. Let's see how, how Moses does and what, you know, McGovern looks like, but that right guard spot is not filled and um, there'll be a battle for that in, in camp. <clears throat> and then you might need a center next year. So he's going to still be using picks. So to, to I, I thought the whole, like ripping the, the trade for Vera Tucker was a joke. I mean, you traded two third round picks. You didn't trade a two, you know, if you would have traded that, what was it? 34, you know, 34 and a third to move up. I can mm-hmm. see where there's some frustration, but he didn't. He traded two thirds, which he was able to, to get out of a future trade. So I thought that was like laughable. I know that was the, uh, the daily news kid, the former daily news kid. who was the ultimate like dweeby troll. So like, I couldn't care less what he said, <laughs> but, um, then, you know, to, to wrap up the draft, <laughs> you know, the Michael Carter pick I loved. It was almost like you kind of knew that was coming, right? It was almost like when you when when round three ended, you looked at who was available and you were like, oh, Michael Carter is 100% going to be a Jet. Like you felt, I don't know, I remember watching it and seeing him there. I'm like, it's definitely going to be Michael Carter. I didn't have any inside info that, you know, that they were going to pick him. I knew they liked him, but, you know, there were a few other running backs available there and some other – you know, I think uh, the linebacker from LSU was there, who a lot of people liked. Um, but, you know, when Michael Carter was there, I was like, man, that's that's a perfect fit. And obviously during the, the flight 2021, you you saw how much they they liked Carter too. So that, that was awesome. And then, you know, I'm not going to say I was thrilled with some of these later round picks. I know, like we talked during the draft, there were a few guys who, who we liked that were still around. I know, you know, some of these corners, that the, the kid from Pittsburgh and uh, Michael Carter – Two, I really liked. Um, but outside of that, and then I really like Nasrul Dean. I was shocked and kind of like when I was watching the draft, I forgot he was even there. Um, but it seems like they're guys that Salah really wants, and you know, guys that are flexible and can play multiple positions. And um, so, you know, uh, who am I to, you know, <laughs> Salah's been doing this a lot longer than I have, so I'm not going to second guess what he did there. He did there, but. Um, I definitely wanted at least maybe to grab another line, offensive lineman, some depth guys. Like, you know, there were some guys who I liked that were still available in the sixth round. I know the Chiefs took um, Trey Smith from Tennessee that was there. and He had some some injury red flags, but it seems like that was a strategy, right? Offense early, Elijah Moore. Can't believe I forgot about him. Um, you know, Elijah Moore was someone they coveted and Vera Tucker, obviously. So, you know, come away with a guy who you hope is your quarterback one for the next decade an offensive lineman who you think is all pro potential and Elijah Moore, who, I mean, have you heard anything but like rave reviews from even the most like critical beat writers or experts who would rip the jets for anything? Like everything you hear about this guy in camp is watch out like immediate impact right away from this guy. Um, so as a whole, I mean, you got to be really excited. And, and, and what you, what makes you more excited is the stockpile of picks they have next year in a year where, they'll be able to do their full scouting. Like you saw through again, flight 2020, 2021, the kind of trials and tribulations with the COVID season of being able to scout these guys and how different it was. So now you'll have a real season to kind of go and get, you know, go through the pro days, even though they did this year was still a little weird, go through the combine, the real senior bowl, obviously a full college schedule. Um, so you'll have even more uh, normalcy to, the next draft and they'll be loaded with more picks. So that, that really leaves you excited. Um, I wouldn't, I, not that I know, but I would hopefully if you see this team this year kind of progress 
maybe you can be in a position where you can trade one of these second rounders next year or be more aggressive with these picks and add impact veteran players. You know, like I know Julio wouldn't make sense for the Jets, but next year maybe they're in a consideration that a guy like a Julio who's available, you can make that trade and feel good about it as maybe the missing piece of the offense. Um, so maybe you're in a position next you know, next spring or summer where um, a, a, a star player is available for whatever reason, you can be the one who's aggressive and tra- trades with them. Like an Xavier Howard, right? It would be a great fit for the Jets. Obviously, Dolphins aren't going to trade him here and the Jets aren't going to make a trade for a corner like that now. But if the Jets are in that position next year and you feel like, you know, the corner is the missing piece, you can trade a two for Z- or two and more for Xavier Howard. So that's what I'm talking about, like being aggressive for a veteran player that becomes available. Um, so just wrapping up the draft as a whole in the off season, I don't think like we all do these mock off seasons and we're usually disappointed, but if someone would have put this on paper back in like January, when we're doing all the mock season stuff, I don't think anybody could have been upset with the type of call that they were able to get, you know, upgrade this roster that was so, you know, last year at this time, you were just like, wow, this is a really bad roster. And now, you know, you upgraded the talent pretty much at every level except for cornerback right now, which still looks a little weak. Um, and maybe you're a little worried about the linebacker position, but Mosley looks great. And Jared Davis is a guy who they're raving about. We'll see. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think outside of corner, which I know you're, you've been uh, on since day one this offseason, um, every position has really been upgraded in, in a major way. That's going to wrap up part one of our 2021 off-season review with Nick Spano. We'll be back tomorrow for part two. In the meantime, make sure that you're following U-Stadium on Twitter, at U-Stadium, and download the app and turn on all the notifications. You'll see a lot of our content there, too, as you will, also at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel, where there is a ton of material right now. Luke Grant is going crazy putting up great film, including a bunch of stuff on Morgan Moses, how he plays in the running game, and a couple of different videos showing him against top competition at edge rusher Shaq Barrett and TJ Watt. So go ahead and check those out and subscribe to our channel if you haven't already. And give us a five-star review on the podcast if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.